With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to a special edition. This is the NBA Special for RF Sports Radio. My name is Rodney Fisher. Welcome you guys to the program. We're going to talk a lot about the NBA, of course, recap the All-Star Weekend, which we had the privilege to attend, and also get into uh, Michael Jordan at 50, Russell's house, or Charles at 50, and also get into the new trade rumors, and as the trade line does approach us very, very quickly, which will be Thursday at 3 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. I want to remind you guys always follow us online by going to the website rfsportsradio.com or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. So let's jump right into the NBA talk. If you guys will join our conversation. If you're listening live, go to just give us a call at 323-927-2906. That's 323-927-2906. Royce will join me later on the program as well as soon as he calls in. So we want to welcome you guys and get to some NBA talk. Uh, first, before we get started, we should, we have to do this first. We have to remember, of course, uh, the passing of Jerry Buss, who passed away at the age of 80. Uh, Jerry Buss, of course, was the owner of the L.A. Lakers and pretty much put Showtime in L.A., bought the team in 1979, and passed away uh, yesterday. So we have to talk about that first, and we are joined by uh, Royce, now we welcome welcome him to the program. Royce, welcome to our NBA special. Well, hello, right now. How you doing? I'm sorry, I'm late. Uh, got the time mixed up, but I'm no, here. No problem. No problem at all. Well, let's. We're talking about Jerry Buss, and, and I just got to got to mention that he did pass away uh, yesterday at the age of 80, and he bought this team in 1979, and through his career since 79, they won 10 titles with the L.A. Lakers, if you could just touch briefly on, you know, remember in Showtime, those Lakers teams of the 80s, and even watching them, um, you know, throughout the 90s as well. Well, you know, Ronnie, growing up, uh, I grew up watching the Lakers all the way from Will Chamberlain to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to, to the present-day Lakers. And, and let me tell you, that was a 10-year NBA dynasty. I mean, they won 10 championships. But uh, everybody enjoyed the Lakers. They were a sight to see, uh, well-put-together team. Everybody seemed to like playing for the Lakers. Everybody wore Lakers stuff at one time or another. And I, I'm pretty sure 80% of America were Lakers fans. You either, you, uh, I would say 50%. You were either Boston or the Lakers. Those two teams always battled each other out. And, what, mm-hmm. 15, 15 ties for the Lakers, 16 for Boston. And, uh, you know, they were pretty dominant 
over the years I watched basketball growing up. But, you know, when the Mavericks played the Lakers for the was a couple of years ago in the, during the finals, uh, Jerry Buss did come to Dallas. I get, did have a chance to meet him. Uh, uh, I mean, he, he was a presence when you walked in the room. I didn't know him personally. But uh, from every, everyone's talking about how great a person he was and how he built that dynasty. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people have said great things about him. So I had a lot of respect for him. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, I don't know if that's going to change the dynasty of the Lakers, but I know he built a dynasty that will probably go on for years and years. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I take away from uh, what Jerry Buss did in his tenure as the owner, you know, his story is really kind of fascinating to me the way he actually, you know, he wasn't a sports uh, guy. He was a professor at USC and did some real estate deals, made some good money and ended up buying a team for a steal in 1979 and turned the team into the biggest uh, franchise in the NBA, one of the biggest franchises in the NBA. But I think that the thing that really points out to me is that as an owner, for as long as he's been there, just think about some of the players and teams he's built, you know, anywhere from bringing in Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as you mentioned, James Worthy, uh, even with Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and, the coaches that he's had, Phil Jackson and and Pat Riley, you know, he's he's brought in some of the top talent from around the NBA and top talent out of college, even out of high school, and and even GMs having Jerry West as a GM was a huge deal. And I think you know he he was a he was just a, a great thinker. You know, he's kind of a cutting edge kind of person. He was the first to have the, any kind of dancers. He invented the Laker girls and. Now every NBA team has some type of dance team or cheerleaders or however you want to call it, but he was the first to put that in play in the NBA, and he just really wanted to put on a show, and that's evident. Anytime you go to L.A., you look at the crowd, you see all the superstars, the celebrities, and he was the one that kind of put that in play for the NBA, and I think, you know, he's going to be remembered for that for a long time. And, you know, Rodney, we can't even go to the Mavericks-Laker game without seeing a lot of Laker fans, and I don't think I've been to any – any stadium where the Lakers have played and not see a ton of Lakers fans. That just goes to show you how big an impact this team had on the country. And uh, you're right, uh, he he managed to keep players there. They were paid very well. They managed, you know, everybody loved playing in L.A. And who wouldn't want to go to L.A. to play? He got Shaquille O'Neal from Orlando. That was a big deal. And he even brought uh, Will Chamberlain in. And that was years ago. I thought that was a big coup. So he did have a knack for grabbing players, and he had a knack for keeping players, too. So now people are starting to wonder now what have happened to the Lakers. Of course, they're in a pretty pretty tough spot right now. Of course, after making a deal to get Dwight Howard here, now the trade deadline approaching. Uh, they have made plans to go ahead and have a uh, service for him and they are going to remember him on Wednesday night's game tomorrow night when they play the Boston Celtics. Uh, now, he survived by six children, and now the ownership of the team is owned by a trust, uh, which benefits all six children. And the managers of the trust, of course, will be his daughter, Jeannie Buss, who's been uh, part of the Lakers organization for a long time, and also Johnny and Jim Buss, who Jim is pretty much calling a lot of the shots uh, right now. So our condolences out to the family and, We'll see what the Lakers franchise holds now, now that the the guy that really brought the showtime and the mystique of L.A. Uh, to that to the forum and now the Staples Center. We'll see what happens with the Lakers team now. 
And, you know, that had to be hardening for him to watch the Lakers this season, you know, seeing what they had had in the past that had to really break his heart. And I hate to see them, you know, uh, in this situation with him passing away. Pretty bad. Yeah. Now, let's jump into the All-Star weekend. Uh, me and you had a great opportunity, thanks to the NBA, to cover this All-Star weekend, and we've covered them before. And we spent pretty much three days in Houston going to all the practices, the events, the game. And uh, I got a chance to talk to a lot of players and see a lot of players, see past players and celebrities. So I'm going to get your overall thoughts about the weekend, what kind of takeaways do you bring from the weekend, uh, and just the overall experience of All-Star Weekend 2013. Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate the city of Houston for a great uh, – and they put on a great show. I think the uh, All-Star game was done very well this year. Everything was right centrally located. You could get to the fan fair and uh, the Coliseum, the stadium, you know, right within walking distance. I thought that was great. And the city was really cleaned up, really nice. And I'm like you, I enjoy seeing the stars. But, I, you know, right now I like seeing the old-timers, Bill, Bill Russell, you know, uh, Pat Riley, all of the old guys that's been around, uh, George Gervin. You know, uh, that to me is a three. I know you like the new guys, but I like seeing the old guys. And, you know, when they say All-Star Weekend, they're talking about some celebrity stars, the NBA stars, football stars, you name it, any kind of star with that in Houston this weekend. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And, and I appreciate seeing the old guys, too. I had a chance to talk to uh, Kim Olajuwon, also talked to Clyde Drexler, Yao Ming, Rudy Tomjanovich, Dr. J, uh, Bill Russell. I got a chance to talk to these guys, and it, that, that was really a big highlight for me. I know I like a lot of the newer guys, but, you know, I get a chance to see them as I cover some of the games, but seeing these older guys come out there, and I thought, Having them as judges, uh, a lot of the old guys from Houston as judges were, were was a big deal. You know, Kim Olajuwon and Yao Ming and, and uh, others, you know, be judges. Right. I thought that was really nice. And then, you know, well, the way they kind of – represented in the house, wasn't he? A lot of old Houston players there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Robert Ory and everyone right. else. And, you know, one of, the biggest takeaways from, one of the biggest takeaways for me out of the whole weekend, Royce, was – you know, the youth movement that's happening in the NBA that no one's really paying attention to. I mean, you watch a guy like Kyrie Irving on Friday just manhandle some of those other guys, and you saw Kenneth Faree go for 40 points and then complete right. the dunk contest the next night. You saw Drew Holiday, who I got a chance to speak with uh, about, about his all-star experience. You saw what he was able to do during the all-star game, and I was really kind of – you know, surprised with the young guys. You know, even Paul George and the way he played in the All-Star game. And I think, you know, if, if you're a basketball fan, you got to feel good about some of the young guys able to hold their own against some of the veterans. And, you know, uh, the future of basketball is in good hands with these guys. I had a chance, like you, to meet them and talk to them, man. These guys are well-mannered, very versed in conversation. Uh, their head seems to be all right, don't have big egos. And he loved playing the game, and, you know, it was exciting to see these guys, these young guys come along with such a great attitude and such great love and respect for the game. I thought that was really, really, really nice. Yeah, and if you guys want to check out any of those interviews, they are posted on our website, rfsportsradio.com. You can watch the video of us interviewing all those players. We pretty much talked to 
everyone from from uh, LeBron James to Kyrie Irving to uh, Drew Holiday. We talked to everybody. So, everybody. all right, bro. Now, you know, we talked about that. Let's get to more of the brass text, the inside information on that we can provide. And I want to ask you a little bit more specifically about the other stuff that went on during All-Star. You know, of course, there were rumors flying all over the place about different players. And I wanted to get your feedback on what you picked up from what you saw out there, you know, that, that maybe the average fan didn't get a chance to see. Yeah, you know, right, a lot of rumors, a lot of whispers going around the the uh, arena that night, well, the whole weekend. But I thought the biggest one was talk about Kevin Garnett going to the Clippers, man. I mean, that was a big deal, even though Kevin Garnett said he has a no-trade clause. Uh, they still talk about trading him to the Clippers for Jordan and Bledsoe. And there also was a little whisper about maybe Paul Pierce going to the Clippers. But I, I can't see them doing that as much as he did for the franchise, you know. <clears throat> but they they talked about trading him, you know, maybe to uh, for Josh Smith from Atlanta. You know, I heard his name mentioned a lot. But uh, I think the only way the Clippers will make that deal, I don't think they get rid of Jordan and Bledsoe maybe throw Lamar Odom and somebody else in the mix because he has a one-year deal. So, you know, who knows? But uh, wherever Josh Smith lands, he's going to command a max deal. So I think it's going to be costly. Whoever picks him up is going to spend some money. There's always also talk about him going to maybe the Nets or Phoenix. Also interested in him, too. So, uh, And even the Milwaukee Bucks name was mentioned in that. But right. you can't count Houston out because Houston has uh, one, you know, they got salary cap space uh, left over from last year. And they still, you know, Houston always good at pulling on the deal. So I wouldn't be surprised at it. But there were so much other teams and names mentioned. San Antonio, DeJuan Blair, uh, Cleveland, Charlotte, Ben Gordon, Brooklyn, Chris Comfries. Oklahoma City, Eric Maynard was mentioned. Uh, Minnesota, Luke Rittner. Rittner, I'm sorry. And also, Orlando was kind of shopping around J.J. Reddick for a first-round pick. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. There's a lot of rumors going around. It's yet to be determined what's going to be. But I didn't hear the Mavericks name mentioned in the conversation, even though Mark Cuban was there. Yeah, we know Mark Cuban was there, and I had a chance to talk to a uh, good buddy of mine, Sekou Smith from NBA.com, and he basically told me what Cuban was there doing. Cuban was there offering up everybody outside of Dirk. And we'll, we'll get into more of that a little bit later on the program because I have some more information on that. But I do want to say that also in the All-Star Weekend, what I really saw the buzz was a lot about Dwight, too. You know, finding out, well, are they going to trade Dwight? Is he going to re-sign in L.A.? You know, what was going to happen with him? Can him and Kobe ex- uh, coexist? A lot of questions thrown that way. And then also, we, we we failed to mention that the whole hype surrounding the event, not just being All-Star Weekend, but Michael Jordan turning 50 and all the questions that the guys have answered about Michael Jordan, especially right. uh, LeBron James, you know. And I thought, you know, the whole end of the game where Kobe really started D'ing up LeBron James and blocking his shot and stealing his his uh, ball. I, you know, you know me, I love that part because – it just kind of sent a message to LeBron, you know what, I'm still playing, I'm still going to be competitive, even though it's the end of the game of the exhibition game, and I'm still going to show you what I can do. I thought that was the best part for me was seeing that last 
three minutes of the uh, grand finale on Sunday night. Well, it, it, it wasn't much of a defense at all in the in the game, but you know, I, I saw Joe Keen Noah tried to take on Chris Paul too. You know, so that that to me was I know you that was a highlight for you, but I thought LeBron was just playing with it. But I think LeBron could take Kobe any day, and vice versa, because these guys are so talented. But you know, uh, it, it did get kind of tough at the end, but you know, it was all show at the beginning. Guys played a great game. It was competitive. I did talk to Chris Paul. He said that these guys were going to go all out to win. And, you know, they played to win. So, I, all in all, I thought it was a great game. And I think I think really coming out of the weekend, the biggest star out of the NBA was Chris Paul. I mean, he was everywhere. He was all over the court on Saturday night. He was there on Friday. Of course, he won the MVP on Sunday. I think he really came out as, you know, a good ambassador for the NBA and also just a good just star, you know, for the NBA. Absolutely. He he kind of took charge of the whole weekend. He was uh, kind of the spokesman for the NBA, you know, uh, before the opening ceremony, him and Dwayne Wade came out, spoke to the crowd and welcomed everybody to the All-Star game. But, Rodney, the, the the biggest thing for me, I know you, you saw the COVID thing for you, but for me was seeing all these guys with, you know, fathers with sons, uh, fathers with daughters. You know, they had their kids out on the court. They were carrying the kids around. Uh, Carmelo Anthony had his son in the interview with him, you know, sitting there. I had a chance to talk to him. I asked him who his favorite player was. He said he, he started to say Dirk, and I was kind of surprised, but he said LeBron James and Dirk. And that was surprising to me. But to see them with their families, you know, the, the reputation these guys have and to see them with their kids and, you know, just playing out on the court with them. I saw Chris Paul's son and Kobe's daughter playing, you know, basketball together. I thought that was really nice just to see the guys and their families and, and see them being fathers. You know, I thought that was just – that to me was a highlight. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That was really cool to see. Well, overall, I think it was just a great weekend. It's a, I had to be the best all-star experience that I've had for sure, and just the access that we had. And the, and the, and the, thing, the other highlight for me that wasn't really sports-related was meeting uh, Beyonce. I have to say that was a pretty pretty <laughs> well, highlight uh, highlight of the weekend right there. Well, well, for <laughs> me too. You know, it's been a big year for for us. Uh, we were in L.A. We got to meet Katy Perry. I thought that was the highlight till I saw Beyonce and you're right this weekend. I thought that was great. But overall, yeah, overall it was, you know, all the stars were there. I saw, you know, talked to Spike Lee, you know, he's a big basketball fan. But isn't it ironic that for the last two All-Star games, Dwight Howard has kind of dominated the talks. You know, last year was in Orlando. I mean, he is, he is. And that really transitions to my next, Topic, because uh, but but well, I want to talk a little bit more about the trades and Dwight and other information coming on as well too. Um, and, and and you know, before we touch on that though, I want to touch on what happened on Monday night, which was the uh, special NBA TV aired when they aired the Michael Jordan at 50 celebrating his birthday and the weekend and his accomplishments uh, in the NBA and also Russell's house uh, special as well too. The MJ at 50 deal, you know, it was a lot of the stuff that I remember seeing, the games I remember watching, but to hear him talk about it, it, it made me want to see him on the court again. It really, it really, really re-energized my whole belief that Jordan is the best ever, which, of course, I've always known that, 
But to watch it again and hear him talk about it, hear how competitive he is and the inside stuff he was saying about, you know, certain players and how, you know, players would say certain things behind his back and he'd know about it and he'd go out there and, and plan to kill him. He wanted to we wanted to win. He wanted to beat everybody by ten points. I mean, that just shows you that Jordan was just in a class of of his own. And and no one's really <laughs> in that class. Uh, nobody. He was a fierce competitor right now. One of the most fierce competitors I've ever seen play him in Magic. But Michael Jordan had the killer instinct. You know, he wanted the ball when most players didn't want the ball at the end of the game. He, he would take the shot, win or lose. You know, it didn't bother him. But mo- most of the time, he ended up winning the game. But, you know, I enjoyed seeing that. And then they showed him from his college days how he evolved. You know, he didn't start in high school, but he evolved in college and how he uh, got pushed around his first couple of years in the league and how he built himself up. He got stronger, right. he got faster. He built himself up to be more competitive because Detroit had beat him up in the in the finals. I mean, they just they, they just manhandled him. And uh, so that summer he went and pumped iron and got bigger, stronger, and faster and came back and destroyed the Detroit Pistons. I thought that was great. And mm-hmm. then seeing uh, his whole life story, you know, they showed him uh, being a father. They showed how much love and respect he had for his father and how mm-hmm. his father's death affected him so much. And then right. how he went and tried baseball and came back and still, I mean, hit 50 points his first game back. 63 yeah, yeah. points his first game back. Go to show the guy hadn't lost a step, and then you know what? to continue on to win championship. I thought that was did great. Did you find it? Did you find it surprising when he said he had already planned to leave the game of basketball after that third championship? Before he even found out that his father right. had passed away, right. he had already planned on leaving at that time. I, I find that pretty surprising. Well, you know, running his first love was baseball. You know, uh, basketball was kind of secondary to him. Matter of fact. He didn't even start on the high school team. You know, he got cut his first time he went out. But uh, I, I think uh, going to Carolina, I mean, sorry, UNC made him uh, totally different. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Dean Smith was a great influence on him. I, I think uh, that whole program really changed him. And uh, it, apparently it lit a fire that had been down in him, but his first love was baseball. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, uh, he really wanted to play baseball. So I thought I thought uh, it was really unique how he felt like, you know, he he started his real coming out career, hitting that game when he shot in North Carolina, and how he ended his absolutely. career in the game when he shot in uh, 96 when they won against the Utah Jazz in game six. But, you know, I find right. interesting, too, is that they really didn't profile the Wizard years. They really didn't talk about no. that, you know, that much at all. No, no. that's, and, part, you know, of his, that's I, part of his I, legacy too. Right, but you know, I kind of wish that hadn't happened because uh, it, it really was just Michael Jordan on that team, you know, and yeah. he, he did yeah. play his hardest, you know. But I didn't like, I didn't want to see him go out like that. I, I can't believe that the uh, management in Chicago treated him the way he did, right. as much as he did for the game of basketball and the city of Chicago because he really made Chicago one of the best NBA sports franchises in the country. And that's all due to Michael Jordan. Yeah, he said I really hates the fact that they couldn't keep the team together. And, and I don't know how you don't keep at least Jordan and Pippen together. You know, out of, of all the players, he talked about how much respect he had for Pippen and 
how he pushed Pippen and Pippen in return pushed him to where he's at today. And he, he said the right thing. So there'll never be a two player tandem like those two guys, like Jordan and Pippen were. And he's right. Yep. He's absolutely right about that. No matter what players try to get together, it would not be the same as that. What do you think about what he said about when they asked him about Kobe or LeBron and how he said, right. you know, five always beats one, but he felt like LeBron was a dominant player right now. And he just said Kobe's got the competitive streak in the five championship rings. Well, you know, I, I, I thought that was – and I can agree with some of that. The five rings does make a difference. But as of right now, I think LeBron is a better player. And, you know, he mentioned some of the guys that could possibly compete today that compete back then. And, you know, he threw out Dirk Nowitzki's name. That was surprising right. to me when he said Dirk. Right. You know, and I think that, that really – resonated with Dirk because he said he always grew up a Michael Jordan fan and that's why he he became a basketball player and that that would crazy the love for the game for him was like watching Michael Jordan play. But he did play homage to the young guys and you know, Kobe did have his time, just like Michael had his time and the game evolved and, and right now LeBron James is the man and like you said with a lot of new upcoming stars, Kyrie Irving, you know, you name those guys. Are coming up, they're gonna be great too. But I, I thought it was great that he said what he said. That kind of sells the whole question about who's better, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. He said both of them were great. We know that puts a lot of pressure on LeBron, man. As, as I watched that, I, I don't. You know, it's so. like it's like you know what? If you if you're gonna if you're gonna be worthy of any kind of comparison from anyone to Michael Jordan, then you're gonna have to you have to put in some serious work. And he, I thought it was so cool how he said, you know, all those game-winning shots that he hit, all that stuff he did at the last minute, he practiced all of that in practice and how Absolutely. practice was more intense than a real game. And, and, I mean, he just he just talked about how you have to practice that stuff so when you get in that moment, it's not new to you. You know, you could, you could just get it done. And I think and any NBA know, player that watched that, you gotta be, you got to be a whole new – got to be rejuvenated all over again after watching that. And, you know, uh, LeBron and uh, Kobe both have great work ethics, and I think, you know, they got that from Jordan. Jordan kind of showed everybody that it didn't come easy. You know, you can have the talent, but you still have to work at it. And, and those two guys really do work out. Uh, I talked to Team Elijah one. I was kind of surprised to know that the guys had been down to see him, and, you know, LeBron called him. And he walked out with him, too, to get his post-up game. And you, you could tell that improvement in that. And even Colby went to go see him. So these guys do take the offseason seriously. They do work at their craft. And, you know, like, just like Michael Jordan, it doesn't come easy. You have to practice. You have to really work at it. Yeah. So I thought that was a great special. If you guys haven't seen that, make sure you check that out. Uh, Michael Jordan at 50, was it was a great special. And then they followed it up with Bill Russell's house. And, I want to spend a lot of time discussing because I know we got a lot to talk about, but I was truly, truly fascinated just as a young uh, basketball fan. Of course, I started really falling in love with basketball in the 90s. But to know what's happened in the 60s with Bill Russell, the guy has 11 championship rings. He's an ultimate, you know, winning uh, player. But just to know that, you know, he was playing in an era when, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of black players being drafted, and he talked about how, if he was going to get drafted. He got drafted originally by the St. Louis Hawks. 
And uh, he said that if he if he had to go to St. Louis, he would have never been in the NBA because there's such a racist environment right. in St. Right. Louis. And luckily, Red Auerbach pulled together a blockbuster trade. He traded two Hall of Famers plus picks to get Bill Russell to come to Boston. And Boston, although the city wasn't prepared for having a black team, was one of the was the most progressive NBA franchise at the time. Was the only franchise that ever the first franchise to draft a black player, but also the first franchise to start an all-black uh, starting five. And Bill Russell said right. the best is, since they were so progressive, they they got the benefit of that in eleven championships. Right. You know, for right. really breaking those barriers down and to know he had to go through all of that and playing against uh, Will Chamberlain and Will, and winning the MVP the same year that Will was averaging right. 50 points a game. I mean, that's huge. Absolutely. And Oscar Absolutely. Robinson was averaging a triple-double the same season, yet he won the MVP. And all his MVP trophies, he did not lead his team in points uh, during any of those seasons, but yet he still won the MVP. Yeah, for all the guys growing up now, I, I suggest that you go back and look at some of these guys like you just mentioned. But Bill Russell, had to, he was a Jackie Robson in his time in basketball. You know, I, I even remember him talking about uh, they couldn't stay in the same hotel when they went to other cities with some of the white players, you know. But uh, Red Arbuck stood up for him. He took a chance with him, you know. And, and like I say, 11 championships. Uh, the guy, if he, you know, if he had never – had a chance to see him play, and I watched him play because I'm, I'm a pre- pretty close to his age, not as old as he is, but I watched him play growing up. And to go back and look at some of these guys, and if you think that LeBron and Kobe are great, Michael were great players, it, it's been great players in the NBA ever since it's been there, especially some of the black players, and they are great. And Bill Russell was one of the best I ever saw play the game. The guy was uh, just a, a force to be reckoned with. He was a class act. Uh, I know he had to do deal with a lot of racism in his time, but you never heard anything negative or bad about Bill Russell. He always carried himself as a gentleman. I thought it was fascinating just to find out that during the 60s when they were winning all these championships being the dominant force in the NBA, they were only pulling in 8,000 people to come watch the game. They weren't even selling out. You know, in Boston, the, the hockey team was selling more tickets than the Celtics were, although the Celtics were the top team in 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 the NBA, right. and I also Absolutely. thought it was kind of it was fascinating too that during that time frame they never actually kept a stat for block shots, and had no, they, they kept this stat, had they kept this stat, he'd probably be even highly more highly regarded than he was because he was a defensive force down there. He blocked. I mean, he he led. He's got to have more blocks than anybody in NBA history. But, well, you know, Rodney, we didn't have the uh, social media or even the TV station that they have now. And really, you didn't get to see a lot of basketball on TV. You know, you may have saw it once a week. But, you know, you can turn on TV now and see a game every night of the week. You can see any team play. But, you know, they didn't have that luxury back then. And uh, rarely did people get to see him play until his golden years. When he was a champion, when he was an all-star, a lot of people saw him play. But, you know, it wasn't a lot of basketball to be seen back then. Basketball really wasn't as big as it is now. It right. was probably the third best sport after baseball and football, mm-hmm. you know. And now basketball is much bigger than it's ever have been for it's worldwide now. But it was not a lot of exposure back then. 
Yeah, I thought I thought it was really just an opening uh, piece for me, just learning more about him and his legacy, what he did. You know, he was uh, him and Will Chamberlain, all those guys that got together right. during the All Star break and came up with the, uh, you know, they, they told he told the story about how they came up with the Players Association was they were televising the All Star game for the first time, and the players that got together say, you know what, we're gonna meet, we're gonna talk about the. Uh, having a players association, well, it, it snowed so bad that they couldn't all get together to meet. So they called the NBA and told them, look, we're not going to play the game. We're going to meet instead and talk about the players association. And the NBA said, okay, i tell you what, if you guys go ahead and play the game, since it really was their first televised all-star game, right. if you guys play the game, we'll go ahead and, and certify the union at the end of the year no matter what. And that's how they got the players association uh, started, you know, Right. It was it was their leverage. It was what he did and what he did off the court from helping Muhammad Ali is standing next to him. Absolutely, he still you know, talked about nobody else. Right, right. You talked about Jackie Robinson. He was Jackie Robinson's pallbearer, you know, right. at his funeral. So the the guys is like ingrained in sports and NBA and basketball, and for him to still be here to share those kind of stories was I thought was fascinating for me. And listen, he got a. Huge standing ovation when they showed him on the jumbotron at the uh, All Star game, and I think everybody stood up, gave him his, his due. But but I, I recommend any young guy that never knew the story of Bill Russell, or ever seen him play, to go back and watch that great piece. I recorded it. I'm gonna keep it forever. You know, I t-voted it, but uh, yeah. uh, listen, you have to see it. it's a must see, must see. Yeah, and then the 11 titles he won, he won his last two titles as a player coach. Right. <laughs> you know, with, with no staff. You know, just him coaching guys and at the same time playing in the game. I thought that was just – that was fascinating to me. And, and playing – uh, you know, these guys now play, what, 20, 19, 23 minutes? These yeah. guys play 30, 35 minutes. Oh, the yeah, whole, the whole game. game. I mean, the whole game. Uh, and that that was fantastic. So they had to be in great shape. And, yeah, I thought that was uh, great. But his career uh, lasted as long as it did. I mean, he played for a lot of years, Rodney. Yeah, I know he did. Let's talk more about present day NBA. It says we get started for the second half of the season. And you mentioned the trade rumors that are out there. And I spoke to Sekou Smith while I was in All-Star Weekend. We talked about Josh Smith, of course, and the Nets as being the one that's really been active for him. But, my sources are telling me that that really Mark Cuban was down there and, and the Houston Royals pushing to get Josh Smith to become a Maverick. He offered the Atlanta Hawks everybody that wasn't named Dirk to get Josh Smith to come, and right. basically got turned down. You know, on all his trade attempts. You also got the Utah Jazz who are looking to get rid of either Paul Millsap or Al Jefferson because they don't want to keep both. Uh, they want to right. kind of go forward with one of the big men. So those two are going to be available as the trade deadline approaches on Thursday. And also the Bucks and their guards, Monte Ellis and Brandon Jennings, one of those guys is going to get dealt at the uh, at the trade deadline as well and possibly the other one at the end of the season. So there's a lot of stuff still cooking out there. We don't know exactly how the chips are going to fall. But I want to talk about that because I want to bring it back home to our hometown team, the Dallas Mavericks, and get your opinion on what should they do at this point should they go ahead and try to make a trade? Should they keep the team together? The, the clock is ticking for them, and they got about 48 hours to make a decision. Well, I, I, I think at this point, trading for anybody wouldn't make a difference to the Maverick team whatsoever as far as making the playoffs. 
I think this year they won't make it uh, simply by their record. And even, even if they do, they're going to be out the first round. And, and I don't want to see that. So, uh, to me, I, I think they'd be better just waiting the next year. Uh, all these guys' deals are over with. You, you decide who you're going to keep. And then you go up to some big-time players. Uh, because my understanding is Boston's ready to, ready to deal everybody from Kevin Garnett to Paul Pierce to Rondo. And uh, either, either one of those three guys would be an asset to the Maverick team. Also looking at Josh Smith, he'd be a greater asset. And then you can always go to the Clippers. Clippers are going to be looking to deal somebody. They should try to figure out some kind of way to position themselves to pull in a Dwight Howard. Uh, if the Clippers are stupid enough to let Chris Paul go, I think they should go ahead and stick with their plan and try to get something accomplished with some of the top, top, top guys in the league. Because if you look at the way the league is constructed now, you got to, you got to have a star. I mean, that, that's that's the bottom line. You got to have a superstar on your squad to make it all work. I mean, anything else is just – anything else is what you're doing right now, you know, piecing people together. And, and Dirk wants to play with a top guy. I mean, I think Dirk deserves to play top guy. So that's how I feel about it. I think they should stand pat, hold on to everything they have, and work with that. Uh, and we'll find out what the Mavericks decide to do here as the season approaches. Very, 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 very active, uh, trying to get something done. It's just they can't make – any deal work right now. So I think they should hold Pat and keep the team the way they are. Well, that's our show for tonight. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to remind you to go to our website, rfsportsradio.com, and watch all the interviews from the All-Star Weekend. Also watch our All-Star Weekend movie, which is a three-day behind-the-scenes look at everything NBA, from the celebrities to uh, the players as well, and in-depth interviews one-on-one with them also. Stay tuned. Make sure you always listen to us on TuneIn Radio. It's a TuneIn Radio app. Just search for RFSN, and you can hear 24-hour sports talk from a fan's perspective. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you guys soon. RF Sports Radio, rfsportsradio.com. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.